Man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, packaged goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week Stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey everybody, it's Tony from Winning at Work. And if if you're not living under a rock, you know that plant-based foods are continuing to carve out more of a place on our plates. They're taking over bigger portions of our refrigerators and... For companies who want to get involved and be more active in the plant-based world, I've got a really interesting concept that we're going to talk about today, and that is the traditional farmer who might be in cattle. And he's out there, she's out there, and she's looking at how can I get involved in this movement? I've got but I'm, I'm cattle, right? And I've got all this production and I'm set up for this. How in the world can I ever, you know, be part of this new food revolution? And the more I interview plant-based food executives, I start getting uh, referrals to other leaders in the industry, people that I maybe have seen on LinkedIn. And I'm, I gotta say, I'm really excited to introduce to everyone today Christy Legali. Christy, welcome in. Thanks so much for having me. You and I chatted a little bit ahead of time. And, you know, when I first looked at your company and your um, 
in your in your website, I was thinking, okay, she's with Rebellious Foods. It's plant-based chicken. And then we got to talking and you said, Tony, we do so much more than that. And it became the genesis of really wanting us to have this podcast to really go into this. And I, I want to just give people an overview of your background. You're not just... Um, uh, you know, a, a business person who wanted to get involved in this, you actually come out of an engineering background. So I think it's really, really fascinating. Um, so uh, your company, uh, Rebellious Foods, is a, is a production technology company. And it's working to make plant-based meat more price competitive with traditional chicken products. And your background is you're kind of classically trained mechanical engineer, you hold multiple patents in manufacturing technology. Um, I find it interesting that you spent a lot of time at Boeing <laughs> working <Yes>. on commercial <laughs> airplanes, uh, you know, spacecraft testing, design. And then this transition happens, right? Senior scientist for the Good Food Institute. You start looking at, you know, uncovering these kind of technical barriers. Like what? why are we having problems developing plant-based meat and culture meat? And let's see, you know, degrees in organizational psychology, mechanical engineering, and masters of science in mechanical engineering. Woo! Do you, <laughs> do, have you paid all your degrees off? Oh, yes, I have. Thankfully, yes. <laughs> you know, today, honestly, can you imagine someone going through school? You'd have a 200 grand worth of debt. Well, you know, you probably would. It's interesting that you say that because I actually did the majority of my education in community college and I worked during the day and went to school at night. So I actually didn't graduate with that much debt because I I took the, the poor woman's route. <laughs> I don't know. That's the smart cookie route. Thank that's you. how I that's I, uh, how I see it. I'm a big fan of community college because it makes it makes education possible for everyone. Well, it does. And we've seen the rising cost. And so I'm just kind of curious, when did you have this aha moment? I'm sure you've had several of those, but you're working at Boeing. What caused you to kind of shift into this idea of food and food, um, food science? Yeah, so exactly. I was working at Boeing Commercial Airplanes, and I was specifically in the Boeing Research and Technology Divisions, or BR&T, as we called it there. And what I was doing at Boeing Research and Technology was developing novel tools to solve hard manufacturing problems. So technically, I was a manufacturing engineer trying to solve assembly problems, um, large um, drilling problems, um, essentially assembly overall can come with a wide variety of issues that when you're trying to move around sheet metal, that's 20 by 40 feet, or even bigger than that, sometimes you run into all sorts of amazing um, variations within assembly of, of commercial airplanes that require some really novel tools. And so that was what I was doing at Boeing commercial airplanes. I absolutely loved it. Um, I also did a few other jobs at Boeing. I worked in acoustic engineering. Um, I did a lot of other uh, research into um, assembly on the shimming side, which was really interesting, a little bit of carbon fiber work as well. So I had a really good time at Boeing Commercial Airplanes. All the while, I was an advocate outside of work. I was an advocate for women's rights. I was an advocate for voter rights. And I was an advocate for animal rights. And um, and I, I literally worked as many hours outside my job at Boeing as I did at my job at Boeing. 
And one of the issues that really stuck with me for a long time was the issue of industrial animal agriculture. Um, We know more about these social justice issues than we ever have before, meaning that, um, for example, the chicken industry, which we now do um, a lot of work in at Rebellious because we're trying to find ways to collaborate with the chicken industry, has a lot of social justice issues associated with it, such as, um, you know, chicken processing is one of the most dangerous jobs in America. It is often staffed by immigrant labor who are not treated very well or paid very well. Um, It comes with pollution issues. And of course, it's it's a obvious, obvious uh, animal welfare concern for the chickens that are involved. So I started to look into how I could merge my outside interests and my inside of Boeing interests into one job so that I wasn't literally burning the candle at both ends. And um, decided that if I really wanted to address the issues that I cared most deeply about, I needed to use my engineering skills to fundamentally figure out how can we address industrial animal agriculture. Of course, one of those ways is plant-based meat. (laughs) And one of those ways is is plant-based meat. And so the legal name of your company is Seattle Food Tech. So is it a doing business as Rebellious Foods? Because obviously you have your own brand. You have your own, uh, you know, chicken nuggets, uh, patties, tenders. You you obviously look like you're in some food service within uh, the school K through 12. That's right. Um, we are Seattle Food Tech, and that really does harken back to our, our roots and, and our biggest effort, um, especially at the moment right now where we are rapidly um, developing and deploying even the next generation of food processing equipment that allows us to make those products under the name Rebellious Foods and also our other line, Kickin' Nuggets, Tenders and Patties for schools. Kickin' Nuggets. Yeah. (laughs) That's our other line of products. And yes, you're exactly right. We are a food production company and behind the scenes, we're developing the tools to make plant-based meat faster, much better at scale and obviously a lot less expensive so we can compete and soon beat the price of chicken products. So so people everywhere will not have to make a choice between, you know, their desire to address climate change, human health and animal welfare, but they can also do so with the money that they have in their pockets that they would normally have spent on chicken. Yeah, that's the challenge. Anytime you want to buy something plant-based right now, it's always, you know, you see it on the menus, but it's always like a plus two. And it's yes. like, ugh, why? You know, yes. everything's already so expensive. So it's great that you're tackling it from that point of view. Now, I've talked to other mechanical engineers, and I found it really fascinating that a uh, an entrepreneur is in the kitchen, and they're developing something, and they've come up with something that they love. There's a whole different process to take it from the kitchen into a commercial environment where you can mass produce it. And that sounds like one of the big problems that you're trying to address is to figure out how can we scale this and make it come off the line the right way too. I imagine that's got to be built into this. Exactly. And that was the fundamental thesis for starting Seattle Food Tech and Rebellious Foods was that I saw as a as a, a longtime vegan myself, I was the consumer of many plant-based meat products that I loved the first time. I loved them the second time. Maybe I bought them a third time and then the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and I never bought them again, or you know, if I even gave it that much time. 
But we see this over and over again in the plant-based meat space, specifically the plant-based meat space, because what happens is, yes, there are brilliant product developers and even, even product developers for rebellious food who have made a fantastic products that are very achievable at high quality at the bench scale or maybe even at the early industrial scale. But what they can't do is even get close to producing those products at the level of chicken production in the United States. So, for example, in the United States alone, the meat industry constitutes or produces over 108 billion pounds of animal meat. And by contrast, plant-based meat, including all plant-based meat from Impossible, Beyond Morningstar to Furky, all of it constitutes just one half of 1% of the volume of animal meat. And that's just in the United States alone. So the vast majority of Americans don't even have access to enough plant-based meat, let alone how costly it is. There's where we see so many of the problems with trying to scale, you know, the solution of plant-based meat is that we can't make enough of it. And there's a real reason for that. And that, that, that fundamental manufacturing reason of how we produce products at large scale was, was and still is the exact problem we are tackling at Rebellious because it turns out to be a very interesting problem. I've heard those numbers before, but I just want people to just let that sink in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why, you know, the meat case is loaded and yes. it just rotates, rotates, rotates. And you're saying one, 108 billion pounds of meat versus one half of 1%. Of that, yeah. So it's about 500 to 700 million pounds of plant-based meat versus 108 billion pounds of animal-based meat. And, and a lot of people don't realize that in the United States and most of the world, actually, chicken is roughly half that. It's about almost 50 billion pounds of that 108 billion here in the United States. So it's, it's, it's the vast majority of meat. And that is one of the reasons why um, producing plant-based chicken is such an important move forward because also, if you're thinking about it from a climate change perspective, a lot of people know about the impact of beef production as being one of the, the heaviest producers of greenhouse gas emissions from obviously cows and all of their emissions. Um, but what people don't realize is that um, if you add up all of the emissions from chicken and pork and turkey, it actually equals the amount that is produced from cows. So whether you're reducing your meat from cows or reducing your meat overall, it's, you're, it's, it's better for the environment to certainly do that. So explain to me, because I'm not a food scientist, what are the actual major ingredients that go into plant-based chicken? Well, wait, before I ask that, because I, I, that, I do want to know, I do want to get into that, but let's talk about the, the, the farmer, right? Okay. Because you're going in and you're showing them, hey, we've got a different process for you, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you approach cattle farmers. I'm assuming, right, we're talking about cattle farmers, that you're going in and you're giving them a different path forward. Yeah, but I, not cattle farmers because we work on chickens. So it's actually chicken farmers. Poultry. Um, <laughs> yeah, poultry Well, there farm. you go, folks. It only took uh, 15 minutes for me to uh, step on the landmine. I knew That's that. Right. I knew that. <laughs> chicken. Okay, poultry. Yes. Yeah, so. Walk us through that process sure. from identification of potential poultry farmers through your whole process. It's just fascinating. 
A lot of people may not know exactly where their chicken comes from, but in the United States, and it is replicated pretty much globally, in the United States, um, the chicken production is done, uh, starts out on growing operations. So these are farms in every state of the union, by the way, we produce chicken in nearly every state, if not every state. Um, but they're produced in big um, growing barns that are, you know, huge, long barns that just have, you know, literally half a million chickens in it or a quarter million chickens in them all at once. And they grow them from little baby chicks all the way to about little baby six week old chicks or six month old, no, six week old chicks, I believe. And then at six weeks, those chickens, which are still baby chicks, um, are actually put into cages and shipped off to the slaughterhouse. So, you know, there's a whole group of people who are the chicken farmers or the um, the growing operation farmers who are doing this on contract with major chicken producers like Tyson or Purdue or Sanderson Farms. And what they usually get is they, you know, maybe buy a whole batch of baby chicks, grow them up for six weeks, and then Sanderson Farms or Tyson will um, buy, buy those chickens by the pound or by the chicken. And so whatever dies between, you know, whatever chickens die between the time they're a little baby chicken and an older baby chicken, they basically um, don't get paid for that. So, of course, the farmers are very incentivized to keep these animals um, alive for as long as possible because because they have to go to slaughter live. But unfortunately, when you're living with 250,000 other beings, it gets very messy and very dirty, and there's a lot of urine around, and it's a really difficult experience for these poor chickens, not to mention being slammed into um, cages and then put on trucks. But once they get to the slaughterhouse, of course, even the worst day of their life actually happens when they go through um, being electrocuted and then hung up to have their heads decapitated. This is like the first portion of chicken processing that, of course, is the slaughter portion. After the chickens obviously go through that slaughter process, we deconstruct the carcasses into all of the products that we now know as chicken products. So that would be the chicken breast that you see in the meat case, but also a lot of the meat goes on to processed chicken products. And those would be chicken nuggets, patties, tenders, those types of chicken products that you would normally get at Burger King, or you would get at McDonald's, or maybe you get at your school cafeteria, like a chicken nugget. Those are the types of products that Rebellious wants to replace. And that is the type of products that we want to replace. Because a lot of people don't realize that 52% of all chicken in the United States is what's called further processed, meaning you're not buying it raw or as whole muscle meat. You're actually buying it as processed meat products. So if you think about it, all the fast food companies, all the cafeterias, all the school lunches, all of the chicken sandwich wars, all of these products are actually processed chicken products. And those are the ones that end up being a large majority of the um, of chicken in the United States. And that's why Rebellious is working on creating much better plant-based versions of those products is because they are the largest segment of the largest sector of the meat industry, which is processed chicken products. Well, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, when you go to the poultry farmer, well, are you working with the poultry farmer or are you working at the processing level? Where where are you trying to insert this 
Yeah. So that's a great question because, you know, there are really fantastic programs where farmers can get out of that poultry or poultry growing operation. And I'm happy to share more about those exciting programs. But Rebellious works on the processing side. So we would love in the future to deploy our technology that I mentioned earlier to make plant based meat faster, better, cheaper, and actually reform or, you know, transform a chicken processing facility where they're taking obviously either the, the the slaughtered carcasses or the post-processed materials and convert those facilities into plant-based meat facilities. Because right now, most plant-based meat actually is made in the same processing facilities as we use to process chicken meat. Um, they're actually using the same bowl choppers and tumblers and continuous um, fryers that that they would use to make chicken, but they contract out their time to plant-based meat companies, including Rebellious, to use that time on the production line to make a plant-based version. And the only problem with that is that plant-based meat, when made in the way that they have to make it, when you're using equipment that's really meant to chop up chickens, you, you end up having to use that equipment for three times as long, having to make it um, not as effectively, and it costs three times as much. I see. And that's what we're paying for at the grocery store when we go to buy a plant-based meat product that should seems like it should be less expensive than chicken. So a chicken sandwich made from plants seems like it should be less expensive than one made from chickens, but it isn't. It ends up being two or three times the cost. And the reason is in those manufacturing facilities, they are not equipped to make um, and process plants to, and turn them into chicken products. Um, and that is the problem that Rebellious Foods has fundamentally solved with our new production equipment. So when you go and talk to these uh, production facilities, how does the conversation go? How do you know that they're even open to these ideas? And are you would you like to share what kind of investments they have to make? Because I, I, I don't know if they get any government subsidies. I know a lot of farmers do. And I'd wonder if those are some of the some of the barriers. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly you're absolutely right. Like farmers themselves and the chicken industry itself does get a lot of subsidies for losses in the chicken industry for whatever reason, you know, things like floods or et cetera. And there, there are other reasons for subsidies as well. Um, but, you know, in the future, I mean, first of all, Rebellious, at Rebellious, we want to use our own equipment to make plant-based meat faster, better, and cheaper. So our first deployment of our equipment will be our own um, to make our own products. But you're right. In the future, what we definitely want to do is um, essentially use this equipment to transform a chicken processing facility to make plant-based meat and the incentive to the operator, because at that point it's not a farmer, it's an operator or even usually a big company like Tyson or, you know, Tyson or Sanderson Farms or somebody like that. Basically, what you have to incentivize them to do is to be able to, you know, spend the same amount on equipment that they would normally spend, but be able to make a higher quality product at a lower price. And that's the benefit that Rebellious's technology can offer future partners in plant-based meat production is that a chicken processing facility that is, you know, currently has 
a high labor injury rate, a high, um, you know, turnover rate, uh, difficult working conditions. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of these food processing facilities are refrigerated, and it's really hard on people's joints. Um, and, and given the current labor shortage that's been persistent since you know early 2021. We we can offer a way forward where that chicken processing facility could be converted to a plant-based meat facility and they could produce products faster, better, and cheaper without all of the risks to workers of chopping up chickens and trying to trying to adapt to this really difficult environment and and those those are the types of benefits. And then those processing facilities can sell that plant-based meat products for maybe a little bit of a premium, but also, but still a really competitive price. And that's that's the true opportunity that we can offer to these processing facilities. You know, the other hidden cost that unless you're in staffing or you've run your own business where you've had to bring in and kind of work with, you know, a labor force like that, Workers' compensation is no joke. No, it's no joke. Yeah. And it's it's a really sad thought to think that so many people are getting hurt in our chicken processing facilities across the United States, because when we eat as much chicken as we do in the United States, um, there's there's a lot of good that can come from reducing our meat consumption, not just for the environment or for the animals, but for our fellow citizens and our guest workers and and you know everybody who's involved in chicken processing. What would you say are the the main obstacles that perhaps you run up against, or maybe some kind of pushback that you get when you approach some of these producers? Yeah, you know, we haven't really gotten a whole lot of producers push back. The only thing we haven't done is gotten to, to deploy our first one. So you kind of it, you were talking kind of like it was coming, it was coming. So that's kind of why I was. Yeah. OK, so what? what t- tell us more about that. So we had developed a system that we call the Mach 1 and the Mach 2. So it's spelled M-O-C-K. <laughs> it's spelled M-O-C-K Love because okay, it M-O-C-K. makes mock meat and it goes really fast. And um, and so the Mach 1 is a, is a pilot scale system that we developed in our laboratory, got working great. It looks fantastic. It's kind of um, laboratory situation there. And then we developed that Mach 1 into what we call the Mach 1S, where we developed it into a system that we could use on a, in a commercial food safe environment. And the Mach 1S, we deployed on our own production floor at Rebellious headquarters and started to use that to make a wide variety of products. So the next stage of our development is actually to scale the Mach 1S into the Mach 2, and the Mach 2 can make about 2,500 pounds an hour, whereas the Mach 1 did about 100 pounds an hour. So it's a big scale up. And so that is our next goal at Rebellious is to scale the Mach 1 to the Mach 2. And, um, and that system, which we, we, have a, we have a commercial food processing operation at Rebellious HQ, but it's not quite big enough for process 200 and, or 2,500 pounds per hour. So um, we, uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking to some partners very, very soon about where we can deploy that very first Mach 2 and hopefully 100 more just like it in the years to come. I love that we're talking about a a future idea that you're working and striving toward. And I noticed that you were a uh, Y Combinator 
uh, recipient. Was that a, was that a tough process to go through? Because it sounds like you know, with this uh, desire to scale, you might be in the market for more uh, cashola. Yes, <laughs> we we are a venture funded <laughs> we need a startup. <laughs> mock, a dollar mock, mock dollars. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, so we are a Y Combinator graduate from uh, summer of 2018, and um, it was quite the interesting opportunity to go through. Um, but um, but yes, I mean, starting a food processing startup in general, and then one that had to develop some completely novel technology over the course of three years was challenging to say the least. Doing it in the middle of a pandemic just made everything about twice or three times as hard. And then, of course, the labor shortage hit and then the supply chain shortage hit. And, you know, lots of things have been far more challenging than like just going ball, through Y Combinator. Curveball, Yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. And we were already taking on hard problems. You know, I, I had a, a Right, mentor. in a normal situation, it's already going to be tough. Exactly. I mean, the just the thought of reforming our chicken processing industry in the United States, like I said, is kind of amazing because uh, the Department of Labor actually classifies um, chicken processing as one of the most, if not the most some years, dangerous job in America. It actually surpassed coal mining a few years back because of the number of injuries that workers experience in chicken processing facilities. So it's it's definitely an area of our society that for social justice, human health, animal welfare reasons that we should definitely be doing something about. But because it is massive, you know, 50 billion pounds of chicken every single year, that ends up being, you know, millions per minute. It ends up, or even half millions per minute in some facilities, it, it ends up being a massive challenge. And that's that's what we've been designing is not, not the bench scale solutions, not the solutions for people who can pay plant-based, pay for plant-based meat at three times the cost. We are in the market to produce plant-based meat at high quality, high volume, and at the right price so that we can serve you know, customers like the National School Lunch Program. And that's what we're here to do. It's just a different, we're a very different plant-based meat company as a result. No, it was. And it was very eye-opening the first time we talked when you unveiled that. I maybe, I don't know how I missed that aspect of what you were trying to accomplish, but it really opened up this idea that you're truly trying to disrupt a 50 billion pound annual industry. Who knows what that equates to financially, a lot more than 50 billion, at least double or maybe triple that. You did mention, though, there were some interesting programs. And I know we're not going to go into great detail about that for uh, farmers. Who, there are. You know, what, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of my favorites is a, is a program that was started by Mercy for Animals and has its uh, history linked to Compassion and World Farming, which are two fantastic nonprofits. I highly recommend your listeners uh, look up. But the program that Mercy for Animals runs is called Transformation, and it's um, it's transformation, except in the middle there, it says farm, F-A-R-M, transformation. And what they do is they help poultry growers, um, so farmers or poultry farmers, 
convert all of the investment that they made into these large chicken growing operations, which usually constitutes a massive barn, maybe half a million dollars in capital equipment, giant ventilation systems on either end of it to, you know, move ammonia out of these intensive chicken growing operations and repurpose those facilities for a higher value agricultural product. And in the case of transformation, they focus on specifically two, but I'm sure there could be others, but hemp farming is one. And the second one is mushroom farming. And so what happens is these farmers end up with, you know, you know, with a little help from some ingenuity and just some, you know, support um, on ideas and other farmers who've come together to figure out how to get out of the chicken production industry they can work together to figure out how to bring in a higher value product that is not as hard on the farmer, that um, can bring higher returns for their investment. And um, mushrooms and, and hemp are two of those really fantastic agricultural products here in the United States. We had a podcast, I don't know, a couple months back with Mycotechnology. And, oh, yeah, Alan Hahn. <laughs> yeah, and this whole industry uh, around mushrooms and the mycelium, it, it is, that's totally fascinating that's whole this whole network you know behind the mushroom and i know that's not our discussion here today but i didn't realize that it was such a, a high value crop yeah mushrooms really are a high value crop both when they're grown traditionally as well as what i think you're referencing is um fermented or cultivated um, mushroom products which are also very fantastic i i can't wait for the day when rebellious can use those ingredients to make finished goods um, through our equipment uh, with a mycelium product. That'll be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, this is a, a space that is like a rabbit hole. You just keep going down and you're discovering there are so many companies that are trying to disrupt and add more value. And I think that's great that you're giving these farmers, of, well, not you, but this uh, um, what did you call it? Uh, transformation. Transformation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we definitely call the transformation folks our our friends and our allies, and and they aren't the only ones. I mean, there's there's also you know customers that become our allies as well. For example, at, at Rebellious, we produce products for the National School Lunch Program. We currently serve over fifty school districts on the West Coast, and that'll soon be closer to about a hundred school districts by early next school year. And we're really proud of the fact that um, our products are sold in um, and served, I should say specifically, in, in some of the most um, low-income communities that would not otherwise have access to plant-based food, because that really does meet our mission. And it also just really motivates us for the fact that, you know, we're here to produce high quality, and that's important, high quality plant-based meat products at a much lower price through technology so that we can make plant-based meat available and affordable to everyone. If people want to try the, the chicken nuggets or some of your other products, what's the best way for them, Christy, to, to sample, to try? Is there a a sure. website, a store locator? Yeah, you can go to our store locator. So try out our website at rebellious.com. So it's R-E-B-E-L-L-Y-O-U-S. So bellions in the middle of the word there. Uh, rebellious.com. And you can go to our store locator right on that page. You can also find them at GTFO It's Vegan, which is a national um, direct-to-consumer 
distributor that we work with.、Um, if you're in the Bay Area, you can also get them from Good Eggs. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, there's a whole lot more here. I think that we can talk about in the future as you do deploy the Mach Two.、Um, if you had a magic wand and you could solve the biggest problem that you needed to get this 2,500 pound per hour machine and process up and running, what what's the one thing you need right now that maybe someone's listening and they have it? Well, we first of all, we're definitely and always looking for the right investment partners that、um, really understand what we're trying to do at Rebellious. Meaning, it's not just about products. It never has been, never will be. It's not just about superior products. It's also about superior manufacturing, and that superior manufacturing is always a little bit of a new area for so many interested investors. So,、um, first of all, we we're a company that's you know、uh, on track. To deliver our technology, but in order to take this to the next level, we're looking for just that right partner, whether it's an investor or a food processor, to help us deploy the Mach 2 production system. And that that I will take a conversation about any day. Well, and we're amplifying that voice here right now. And fantastic! I really hope everyone has learned a whole lot more about not just what's happening in the chicken world, but Some of the solutions and what can be done, what you're doing to combat it, and of course now they've got some great websites they can go to and check out what you're doing, see the product, and、uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe they've got 10 million bucks they just want to cough up. All right, that sounds great. <laughs> it's, it's, will, will 10 do it? Oh,、uh, I think. Do 10, you take Zell? Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, what's、we'll、your number? Let me hold on. <laughs> Hang on, let me check with my wife. You know, I'm a little short today. No problem. Yeah, give us a call if you if you want to partner with us. There's lots of opportunities to get involved. Whether you're you're part of your school lunch,、uh, you know, committee, or you want more plant based meats in your schools, or you'd like rebellious in your local grocery store, we're we're all ears. We'd love to partner with individuals and organizations alike. Oh, that is fantastic! Thank you so much for being here and. Godspeed to you. This is a an important mission you're on. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. 